You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Big Show, Hour 4 rolling on on this uh, Tuesday morning. I'm Patrick Dumas. Got Alex Brody and Noah Adler in the other room. Uh, going to do a little bit of a trip around the uh, Pacific Division this week with a lot of the teams on by and uh, obviously with the Flames going to be in a fight for both playoff spot in the Pacific and a wild card. It's going to be a, a struggle down the final stretch here, down on 32, and uh, one of the teams they're looking up at is the Vegas Golden Knights, and that's where we're going to go next, uh, down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, to be joined by Golden Knights beat writer from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Ben Gotts. How are we doing this morning, Ben? Not too bad. Thanks for having me on, guys. Hey, no problem. Thanks for joining us. Uh, let's get into it here. Uh, start the, the team started 13-2. and two. Great start. One of the best starts in the league, probably next to Boston. You know, we saw it. Bruce Cassidy, it was a switch. It was awesome. Uh, but, you know, 16-16-4 and four since. But still in the thick of it for that division, obviously, just a point back of Seattle. How's this group been over the last couple months? I know the injuries are there, but just overall, what's your gauge on this group uh, probably since, I don't know, probably since uh, middle of November, I would say? Yeah, well, they've obviously fallen off after what you said was that incredible 13-2 and start that I think had a lot of people dreaming that they were at least maybe going to give Boston a fight for the President's Trophy, and now it more looks like they're just going to have a fight on their hands to get into the playoffs after missing last year. Um, there have been some injuries, as you mentioned. You know, Mark Stone out once again, missed the last six games before the break. We're still not exactly sure when he's going to come back, but they really did start to get healthy before this bye week here, before the all-star break. Um, but right now, this is just a group that's kind of lacking in confidence, lacking in punch, and obviously entered uh, this week on a skid. They're 1-5-2 and two in their last eight games. They're really struggling to score. A bunch of their top guys are in really big goal droughts. And so this team has just kind of failed to come up with a lot of solutions uh, to their problems, which is why they've kind of fallen back to the middle of the pack here rather than pulling away like it looked like they were going to do early in the season. Do, do you think you do you have an idea on why the, maybe the play has dropped off? I know we, I'll, I'm, I was going to get into Jack Eichel here in a little bit, but I know he's been a bit of catalyst out of this. I know he's got the injuries as well, but is Jack Eichel, you want you want maybe want more from him right now? Like just why do you think Vegas is having the struggles that they are right now? Yeah, you absolutely want more from Jack Eichel, and that's a big reason why this kind of slump has happened. And it's not just uh, Jack, it's been a lot of the night's top six with Mark Stone out of the picture just mm-hmm. haven't stepped up and produced to the way that the Knights need him to. I mean, you look at Jack Eichel, he's got a seven-game goal streak. Uh, he was actually really good when he first kind of came back from a lower body injury. He missed 14 games, had a three-point night against Pittsburgh, had 10 shots and a game-tying goal in the third period against Florida. And since then, he's really, really struggled to contribute. He's got an eight-game goal drought. Uh, but like I said, it's the entire top six where Riley Smith's got a 12-game goal drought. Chandler Stevenson, who just got named the All-Star game yesterday, has a 10-game goal drought. Jonathan Marcheseau is at nine. So the entire top six is struggling to produce right now. And so they're not scoring. They're falling behind in a lot of games because they can't get the first goal. And it's all just kind of spiraling in and of itself. I think the main reason why that's all happening right now is that teams have really, really locked in on the night's transition game. They're getting back in the neutral zone. They're not allowing a lot of rush chances. And this is a formula that's worked against the Knights before where they're really good when you hand them opportunities in transition, when you make the Knights beat you in the offensive zone, 
they struggle really to do that. Power play has been a big part of it in the past. It's been a lot better this year, but it's also in a bit of a slump right now. So the fact that they can't score goals, your top guys aren't feeling confident about their games because they're not scoring, I think, all feeds in on itself, and that's why they're really falling back to the pack right now. The new head coach, Bruce Cassidy, we always, he had his critics in Boston. Is there something that his style just right now isn't meshing with the, the group of players that are in Vegas right now? Because we know we, we all know what, what, uh, what people thought of, of Cassidy in Boston at points. Yeah, it's an interesting question, and I'm sure it's one they're wrestling with right now. I think one point in Cassidy's favor, besides, you know, as we've already talked about the incredible start, is that these are issues that have happened to the Knights before mm-hmm. as well. The reason they lost their two NHL semifinals under Pete DeBoer to Dallas and Montreal were the same reasons that they couldn't score in the offensive zone. They couldn't get goals when they needed them on the power play. Uh, they had a midseason swoon kind of like this one when they fired Gerard Glant mm-hmm. in their third year. So, you know, at some point, uh, while I think it's obviously fair to ask what Cassidy can do better, how can he jumpstart, especially his top guys, a little bit more, this is also a pattern that dates back throughout the entire night's history as well. And so at some point, I think you can't point the finger at the coach anymore, mm-hmm. especially when he's in his first year. And he has done a lot of good things with this group. The Knights aren't scoring, uh, but in terms of kind of the five-on-five high-danger chances they allow, they're right at the top of the league. As I said, he's actually improved a lot of their special teams compared to last year. But, you know, he's tried to mix up the lines. He's tried different combinations. and Nothing has seemed to go right to get those guys going again. I'll be interested to see you know, if he does change up his approach after having a week to think about it or after getting to experience All-Star Weekend uh, down in Florida and whether he comes back from the beach with some fresh ideas for this group. For a team that's only in their sixth year of existence, is there any sort and I, uh, uh, six years very successful, only missing the playoffs one time, but is there concern when you start seeing, I, I know this was Bill Foley and Kelly McCrimmon's thing, is they wanted to win early, they wanted to be competitive, but is there concern in a market when you've gone through, this is your third coach in that short of time? I know NHL, it's not for long with coaches for sure, but with a fresh franchise and that has seen success, is there some concern that they're on their third coach in six years? I think a lot of fans had questions for sure, especially because I think a lot of people were ready to get rid of Pete DeBoer because they had some of the same issues the whole time, like the power play, like the offense. But there was another big faction that because of kind of the catastrophic level of injuries the Knights had last year, where Mm -hmm. you have Mark Stone missing more than half the year, you have Max Pacioretty missing more than half the year. You have Alec Martinez, who's among your top four defensemen missing about, you know, two thirds of the year. Riley Smith misses the last, or you go on and on with all the injuries they've Mm -hmm, absorbed. mm -hmm. That it was maybe premature to get rid of Pete DeVore that it wasn't of course his fault. And I think he's proving that he obviously still knows how to coach in Dallas Mm -hmm. because he's also going to all-star weekend in Florida. So I think there always was a bit of concern from the fan base of whether Pete DeBoer was a little bit of a scapegoat for what ails this franchise. And, you know, kind of, as I said, uh, last answer, I think that is kind of coming up a little bit in terms of the Knights are having a lot of the same issues that they've had throughout their tenure with three different coaches. These are things that aren't going away through system changes, through different approaches, through different ideas. They're having a lot of the same problems. So at some point, I don't think you can put the finger at coaching anymore. And certainly I don't think Bruce Cassidy 
is in danger at all of, of leaving his post even halfway through the year. So be curious to see now that that kind of solution is gone in terms of you know changing coaches behind the bench. What are you left with, especially what are you left with potentially changing personnel before the trade deadline? Uh, two players that have done exceptionally well despite the the lack of goal scoring. We know uh, a case around here with with one goalie not getting so much run support, and that's All Star Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill. Uh, two local products to Calgary. They've done really well despite the lack of scoring, especially for Logan Thompson. But just like speak to the quality of goaltending, and you know this is a guy that you know came from really nowhere. Yeah, Logan Thompson. I remember Pete DeBoer talked last year about how he compared it to you know basically going from your local softball league all the way <laughs> to Major League Baseball. That's what he compared. Yeah, Logan Thompson going from you know Canadian College University, Brock University, mm-hmm. where. You know, a lot of goal centers don't come from. He was the first one to go from U Sports to the NHL since 1994, uh, before he was born even. Um, and now he's an all-star, which is just an incredible rise uh, for him. He's done so much. I think the players really enjoy having him around because, uh, you know, not only is I think he a better athlete than people expect that he can get across his crease, uh, what really drives him is he's just so, so competitive. You see it every day in practice. He wants to win. He wants to battle. He's not just going through the motions when the Knights have a skate and maybe he's trying to rest himself for a start uh, the next day. He's going full tilt trying to stop these guys and they're trash talking him and he's giving it <laughs> right back. Uh, he's just a really cool story, a really interesting guy, wants it so, so badly. And so it's been really just remarkable to see how far he's come, you know, in a short amount of time. He signed with the Knights before the kind of bubble playoffs mm-hmm. began. And since then, you know, he's been American Hockey League goaltender of the year he's gotten his break in the nhl was awesome down the stretch last year was not the reason that they missed the playoffs Ooh. he gave him a chance to actually kind of get in and now yeah he's an all-star uh, in the top 10 in the nhl and wins and i think a lot of people were worried that the knights goaltending would hold them back when robin leonard was announced they was he was going to miss the entire year and i think logan thompson has made sure that's not the case i don't think you can argue with like i said the goaltender's are the night's main problem right now. Yeah, and I, I I don't know if we, we you have a lot of information on it. I know like most of it like we kind of know what's been going on with Robin Leonard. Is there any sort of news with the whole bankruptcy thing and and whatnot? Not lately. I do believe he has a hearing scheduled relatively uh, shortly, and so we'll he'll have to go yeah. through a lot of that stuff. I believe in front of a judge and everything. So yeah, all we just know right now is that he and his wife have filed for. You know, Chapter 7 bankruptcy, which is business-related mm-hmm. uh, bankruptcy, not personal. It's yeah. business-related. So it's some companies that uh, they have set up that uh, clearly are not doing well. So I think we will learn more in kind of the coming days and weeks as he kind of goes through uh, this process. But obviously just really unfortunate for him and his wife. Yeah. And you just kind of hope that they're able to get this sorted out. For sure, yeah. Robin's a guy who's been through a lot, and we definitely want to see the the better end of this come out for him, for sure. Uh, we're talking with uh, Ben Gotts of the uh, Las Vegas Re- uh, Review Journal, writing for the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, I want to talk to you about this division. It's uh, it's very, very tight. Obviously, only, uh, what, six, five points separate Calgary to Seattle at the top. Are, does it surprise you that this uh, that the division is so... Six points, sorry, from first to fifth. Is there any... Is it surprise you that it's so packed this late in the year? I don't think it's surprising to me that it ended up being packed. It's surprising to me, you know, the teams that are basically in the mix. I'm shocked that uh, Seattle is ahead of Yeah, them. yeah, that's true. Yeah. Leading the way, leading the charge 
it's crazy. I mean, if you had told me before the year that, you know, the Knights at the All-Star break were going to be right in the mix with uh, Calgary and Edmonton, and that would have checked out to me. The mm. fact that, like I said, it's Seattle that's jumped to the head of the line is impressive to me. The fact that L.A. has hung around despite getting really, really horrible goaltending of the entire year until Phoenix Copley uh, got called up, that's impressive to me. I really liked how they played when they visited T-Mobile Arena uh, last month. And so I am really excited for what it's going to look like down the stretch. I think that these are all capable teams. I can see a pretty credible argument for the majority of them ending up in first place in this division. And of course, one of these teams is probably going to miss out on the playoffs, or at least has a good chance to. So I think it's going to be really interesting to watch these teams kind of jockey back and forth the rest of the way because it's so tight right now looking into the all-star break. Um. Quick thoughts on uh, the Bo Horvat trade last night. That's within the division. Obviously, he's out of the division. Uh, just quick thoughts there on the on the Bo Horvat deal. Yeah, I'm fascinated uh, which <laughs> All Star team he's going to play for now. Yeah. Whether let him keep the Pacific Division jersey or not. Uh, it's interesting. It's one of those where it just comes out of nowhere, right? Where you never know what Lou Lamarillo is doing. Yeah, this... uh, certainly, the Islanders were not in my top probably five destinations or for Bo Horvat. So you obviously understand why the Canucks did it. I think it's unfortunate that it did get to that point with their captain. I'm sure they kind of regret uh, the JT Miller extension when they could have potentially mm-hmm. tried to extend Bo Horvat uh, this summer. But I'm now fascinated to see what this means uh, for the Islanders, who of course were you know the last team the Knights played before the break and the Islanders won in overtime. I mean, they're not in a playoff spot. They're not even the first team out right now. That's Buffalo. So a, curious what kind of push they're going to be able to make here now that they've got uh, what seems to be really impressive center depth with Matthew Barzell, Brock (laughs) Nelson, and Bo Horvat, or whether this was a trade for a a guy that I think is a really good player and obviously is a great goal scorer, but is he going to move the needle enough for them to make this huge charge up the standings to get into the Eastern Conference picture? Uh, I don't know, but now I'm obviously very curious to find out. And that's what we were talking about earlier on the show. We were just like, what if this doesn't work out for the Islanders and they flip them at the deadline and they get a better return than maybe what Vancouver got? I wouldn't rule it out. That would be crazy. Be straight Lou. That'd be totally Lou. Absolutely. You just never know what's, what's going to happen there. Like I said, the fact that this came out of nowhere was obviously shocked, so I wouldn't surprise if uh, not too long from now there's another big move out of nowhere to out of the island. Obviously, Vegas is a team that that loves to be involved with with the next big thing. They love the names, uh, for sure. Now, Kelly McCrimmon's checklist on March 3rd, they'll have around $3.8 million, I believe, at the deadline to work with, if I'm not mistaken. But what would be Kelly McCrimmon's main goals here as we approach the deadline? Yeah, I think it would be to improve their forward depth, absolutely. I mean, as we've kind of talked about, the fact that, you know, Mark Stone is really the only big piece that the Knights are missing up front right now and they still can't find a way to score goals i think it's pretty telling that they need another guy who can help out with the offense whether it's a guy that can play in the top six when maybe someone is out and then be maybe that great third line score that they've really lacked all year when everyone is healthy they just haven't had a guy uh, like alex tuck who's of course now with buffalo mm-hmm. sabers who in the night's kind of early playoff runs was so so good at taking advantage of mismatches down the lineup because he was on 
the third line. Just he would always have to get defended by second and third pair defensemen. And a lot of those guys just couldn't keep up with him. And that was a major reason for the Knights' playoff success. So I don't know if they're just going to find another Alex Tuck, of course, lying around this deadline. But they need kind of that middle six winger that's going to get them the scoring depth that they kind of desperately need right now. Phil Kessel, for the most part, I don't think has yeah. quite provided the boost of offense that they were hoping for, though he did actually start to play pretty well right before the Blake break, but it just hasn't happened for him the majority of this year. So the Knights need someone like that. They need some extra punch up front, and I'm curious kind of which direction they ultimately choose to get it from about a month from now. Um. It's, it, like I said, as I mentioned, it's the sixth year for them in the desert. Uh, pardon my ignorance on it. I've never actually visited Las Vegas before. I, I definitely, it's on the bucket list for sure. But I, I get it, it's not a very big city, but it, it has a lot of, I don't know, is it is it more of a transplant town or is it a lot of uh, local people that were born and raised there? It's definitely a big mix. I think there are a lot of transplants, uh, yeah. including myself, that live there. I'm a transplant from uh, Minnesota. And so there are a lot of people that have come from different places to Las Vegas. There's obviously a good mix of locals as well, but mm-hmm. you know, especially in recent years, it's really kind of grown and grown. So there is a mix, but I do think the Knights have actually really helped kind of establish more of a, a local identity yeah. as well. Cause when I first arrived, it was definitely a, you know, everyone had their different, you know, sort of sports teams. Well, they were the first one, so, right? So exactly. Yeah. And everyone used to have their, you know, own, uh, teams here own allegiances. People that came from Chicago still rooted for their Chicago teams and everything. There's a bar for just about uh, every NFL franchise that mm-hmm. you could want uh, here that you could go visit. So people were all set up for a variety of things. But the, the Knights really have established, I think, more of that local identity where now you know you see way more Knights bumper stickers uh, and you know everything flags waving out of cars or in front of homes or. Uh, anything like that than just about anything else, even more than the Raiders, since the Raiders have moved here because the Knights were, of course, an expansion team. Yeah. They are a Las Vegas team where the Raiders are just a team that happened to move here. So I do think that's been huge for kind of establishing, you know, something that the locals can call their own, can rally around and really give, you know, this town a, a bigger sense of kind of belonging in the uh, larger sports landscape than was here before. So, like you mentioned, the Raiders there. They did like when the Raiders came in. They didn't. It didn't hurt hurt the Vegas. It's kind of. I know it's different sports. Like you like football, you like hockey, you can like both. But did the Raiders hurt them in any sort of in, the, in like a revenue type stuff, or is it just like they have their own market and Raiders have their own? Yeah, it's, they've been able to stay, you know, pretty separate for the most part in terms of. I don't think it's really hurt tonight's bottom line all too much. Uh, the Raiders have been able to fill their stadium allegiance so far, but it has been a lot of out of town folks that have come in, especially visiting teams that go in and want to enjoy, of course, uh, a weekend in Las Vegas as part of their football experience. So T-Mobile so far this year has still had no trouble for the most part, filling up four games uh, probably helped. Of course, the Raiders did not have a very successful season uh, either under first year coach, Josh McDaniels, but Mm -hmm. the Knights have been able to keep chugging along. And I think, like I said, I think a, big part of that goes back to a lot of people identify with the Knights really as Las Vegas's team. Uh, of course, the first major league professional sports mm-hmm. franchise uh, that was here and gave folks something to rally around where just the Raiders were not 
embraced in the same way because they were moving here. They did not originate um, from here. So while obviously they still have a ton of support as well, I think a lot of people just uh, gravitate towards the Knights more if you were born here, grew up here, just because it signifies so much more that the Knights ended up uh, coming here rather than just another team deciding to pack up and stay for a while. Awesome. I can't think of a better success story for an expansion team in all sports than the Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, I'm so glad that they're embraced and uh, and have had such success uh, in their first six years. Uh, thank you so much, Ben. All the best the rest of the year. And uh, we'll do this again soon, buddy. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, guys. Not a problem. There's you go. Ben Gotts, uh, Vegas Golden Knights uh, beat reporter for the Las Vegas Review Journal. He joined us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. Uh, Jeff Merrick show coming up at the top of the hour. He'll be joined, of course, by Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night Canada and 32 Thoughts. Thomas Drantz, uh, of course, out from uh, Sportsnet 650 and covers the Canucks uh, for the Athletic. And then a little uh, Merrick versus Wyshynski coming up at 11 o'clock. Sure, there's not a lot to talk about there. Uh, coming up next, uh, we don't know yet. We might have some audio coming from uh, from Vancouver as they were are getting ready to introduce Anthony Bavillier and Atu Ratu to the local media. We might play a little bit from there out of our sister station out at Sportsnet 650. If not, uh, we're going to hear from Brent Cron. He joined us in studio as he was the, he's going to be the official for the uh, Beer League broadcast coming up on Thursday between the Whalers and the Lushes at Winsport. Uh, doors at 6, puck drop at 7, but of course you can't make it. You listen to it right here on Sportsnet 960. And that, of course, brought to you by our fine folks at Wild Rose Brewery. Uh, it's your home for quality craft beer in Alberta. Find it in pubs, restaurants, and liquor stores around this great province. Or check them out in their tap room in southwest Calgary seven days a week. Stick with us. One more half hour to go here on Sportsnet 960 Fan.